Welcome to the Confidence and Communication Podcast. I'm your life coach, Jessica Dumas. I'm a professional speaker and coach who empowers women everywhere to use their voice to take up space and change the world. My goal is to help you speak with clarity and confidence while giving you practical guidance and tools by sharing real life experiences of overcoming. So turn up the volume and grab a pen. You're gonna wanna write this down. Jessica Dumas Coaching and Training and the Confidence and Communication Podcast is overflowing with appreciation to our first podcast sponsor, The Johnston Group, Inc. The Johnston Group provides employee benefits to more than 30,000 businesses across Canada. Thank you so much for supporting my vision and investing in the podcast. Please accept my extreme gratitude, which will help get the message of self-love, healing, and growth out to a greater audience. Hey, thanks for coming back to the Confidence and Communication Podcast. I wanted to remind you of my masterclass series that is starting this month for August. For August, it is Using Your Intuition. You can find the link to register in the show notes and the link in my bio at jessicadumas.ca. This is going to happen August 15th. If you miss it, you can still buy the recording. And the reason we're starting with intuition is because your intuitiveness has everything to do with your authenticity. And this is a masterclass series that I'm starting. We're going to go into 2024 with this series. And I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited. So I really hope that you will join us. Today's episode, I have a guest. Her name is Ashley Smith. She's the owner operator of J.A. Smith Construction Management, as well as Turtleback Homes. And the conversation was so fun. She's so inspiring. She's so real. She's such a beautiful, kind leader, and she's so honorable. And when you hear our conversation, you will hear why. So Ashley is a proud wife of 20 years. She's a mother of three and a member of Gambler First Nation. She has been a passionate advocate for addressing the Indigenous First Nation housing crisis in Canada, particularly in Manitoba. With a deep concern for her community's well-being, she has dedicated her life to finding innovative solutions that lower the cost of living, promote energy conscious practices, and encourage living within our means. Understanding that housing security is a critical aspect of emergency planning, Ashley actively advocates for housing to be an integral part of community emergency preparedness efforts. In this episode, she's going to talk about her experience as she launched her initial business and then her most recent endeavor, Indigenous Tourism Business called Turtle Village in Riding Mountain National Park. Turtle Village is a luxury off-grid experience to connect you to the good life. This was so fun. Just like everyone I talked to, I love it. I love it. I love it. Please enjoy. And if you love it as much as me, don't forget to screenshot, share it on your Instagram at, and tag me at jessicadumas.ca. And don't forget to tag Ashley at Turtleback Homes on Instagram. All right. How's it going, Ashley? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited and very honored that you asked me to speak about my passion. Awesome. Awesome. 
Yeah, and I'm so excited to talk more about it. So we met in person in March in Winnipeg at the Indigenous Tourism Conference that I I recorded a whole podcast on it because I had such a great time. But for those of you who are listening, Ashley has been a passionate advocate for addressing the Indigenous First Nation housing crisis in Canada, particularly in Manitoba, which is the province that she's been born and raised. But her most recent endeavor is the opening of the Indigenous tourism business called Turtle Village. So Turtle Village is a luxury off-grid experience to connect you to the good life, also known as Mino Bamadiswin, which is in Riding Mountain National Park, Treaty 2 territory, that's where I, my ancestors are from. And Turtle Village is the first of its kind, Indigenous-owned and operated tourism destination within Treaty 2 territory. And I know that territory has been seeking that for a long time. So taking the housing need for First Nations and this tourism opportunity, like, wow, it's just like, boom. So when did all of this start for you? Because right now I feel like it's it's at the height of it. Like it's it's in the parks, it's active, and you're getting all this attention. So like... Tell me about it. Okay. Yes, thank you. That's a good way to put it. Uh, you nailed it. My passion started with housing. Um, I'll take you look back a little bit to the beginning, cutting out of the Sears catalogs, what couches I want, what I want my bedroom to look like. I grew up up north in Gila, Manitoba. My best friends were trees, rocks, and water. <laughs> very isolated up there, very long winters. I grew up in a trailer park most of my life. And so I knew what it was like to, you know, wake up off the off your bed and put your feet on the floor and it'd be ice cold and we'd go cut our own wood and and heat our own area. Of course, we were tapped into the grid, so we did have electricity, but it's lackluster housing really kept it very cold in the winter. So we would pile snow up against the walls of the skirting and then shovel off the roof because it would be too heavy on on the trailer park. So This is where I believe my parents brought this up to me is I asked them if I can move into my own trailer. I wanted to fix it up because I had a fat, a passion to start fixing housing and and wanted to live and, and I really enjoyed decorating. So the first question they asked, well, how are you going to pay for that? Mm -hmm. And then so instantly my dream was killed (laughs) because I don't know how I'm going to pay for that, but I had to do So yeah, they crushed me. Didn't it just come to you? <laughs> like, what? What do you mean? Why would I have to pay for it? Don't you guys do that? But so. <laughs> how old were you when that conversation happened? 14. 14, okay. Yeah, so it, it really kicked in there that there's um some steps, there's a process to this that uh, I got to figure out, so. Anyway, fast forward, we we uh, moved down south. I bought my first home with my husband at 21. It was a fixer-upper. Um, we fixed it and we flipped it and we made very good profit off of it. So there was the reality of the start of my vision. So after that, I moved to my home reserve, which is Gambler, Gambler First Nation. And uh, we lived there in band housing and and I worked as the housing manager for 10 years. So I learned a lot in that time, um, sat in a lot of CMHC training, sat in a lot of just educating myself on where is things going wrong? How can we better housing for our people? And I've seen a lot of 
areas that we could really change. People don't like change. Mm. <laughs> people people have their their structure that they do, especially in housing. Well, we've always done it this way. We always build this way. We always use this this lumber yard or these materials. And I keep questioning, well, why? 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 Why do we have to? Why do we buy materials that fall off the house and don't last in five years? And the shingles are blowing off and we have mold and moisture issues and our windows are breaking and, you know, our doors are getting jammed and stuck. Why can't we build better? And so I think sitting in some of these meetings, I'm sure some of the people were like, stop asking so many questions. Like just we're, we're working on, you know, HRV problems. Just leave those issues alone. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Just and like so, it. <laughs> yeah, we just do it that way. This is how we know how to build. Right. So and why are we building in winter? Why do we have to do that? Well, that's when our funding comes in. And so it's just a long issue of problems that if we get to the root of the issue, I know that we can solve those problems. After that, I became a certified housing professional in, in the state of Manitoba. And uh, that was a great designation. I was first of its kind here. And I graduated in 2020 at the height of that pandemic. So I felt really good about that. And we all, a lot of women came and uh, graduated together. So it was really empowering because up until then, I felt as though I was in a, just a different category alone, right? Being a female housing professional and things like that. And, and what do I know about housing? And what do I know about building and materials and things like that? So in the meantime, I created a business, which was called J.A. Smith Renovations. <laughs> and in that, I really worked on a lot of banned homes and addressing the envelope of the home was a big concern to me was the, the roof, uh, the windows and doors. And so if we secure the envelope, then our house is protected and we can start doing more of the maintenance on, on the inside and um, pretty it up. So that was really good. That was the start of entrepreneurship for me. I branched that out into J. Smith Construction Management, along with my husband. He was my PM. And uh, we did a lot of large projects. We did water treatment plants, youth centers, multiple housing projects. So that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It still didn't fulfill what I wanted to bring to the marketplace. And that was something different, something that brought change that was going to last for families and for generations, because I have a huge passion to help families live better. I believe that, you know, a lot of our problems that we're facing in the world stem from our home, that we don't actually have a home where we can gather and feed our children, that we can cook in. We're often displaced due to fire or water or in environmental issues on our reserve. And, uh, you know, one thing that really hit my heart was um, a community. They were displaced from their home for nine years living in hotels. And um, I just had a lot of empathy for that because I can imagine raising my children in a hotel would be terrible. Yeah. You know, you have one, you have one chance and they grow up so fast. And, you know, we start families because we, we want that connection and relationship and love and memories. So. Right. I think, yeah. Yeah. I just want to touch base on that really quickly for the listeners. If they're not familiar with that, I don't know what years it was, but it was recently, like it was in the last five, five years that it 
that they had gone home, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, and I don't know how many families, but First Nation families were living in hotels in downtown Winnipeg, raising their families. Imagine that. You know, I, I think when we go away for to a hotel, you know, the first couple of days are always fun. And then after that, like most people want to go home. So imagine being there for years, years. years. It's, it's devastating. And what that does to a family and to a community how it weakens you and all of the stuff that you're talking about, not having that opportunity to nurture your family and like really raise and love your family. Like, Oh my goodness. It's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Yeah. So that that's, you know, that's an area that really, I was like, we, we need to build housing that lasts for generations. You know, no more, I don't know. Ikea homes, meaning they're not going to last for a long time there. You, you build them and then you maybe have 15 years lifespan until they start depreciating. And so um, I'm a true advocate for home home ownership. I think that's a huge thing that we need to really progress into as indigenous people. We need to have a, a feeling of ownership over what we have because we're often like nomads in a land you know, we never have roots to really dig into the ground and grab a hold to create generational legacies in our land. And so I feel that that's really lacking for us. Um, housing is a staple component to that. But with our climate, with our resources, I know we need to build different and build better. So where I live right now is in 400 square feet. I live in a prototype. Um, after J.A. Smith uh, Construction Management, I opened a branch to that called Turtleback Homes. Okay. And with Turtleback Homes, everything that I seen problems with in the housing industry on the First Nations, I embedded into this home. And so it's it's um, has an off-grid component. I really believe that, you know, with where we're going with the climate crisis and, and the energy crisis, that we have to have homes that are built with that in mind. Um, we can't just rely on our communities or our governments or, or, or anybody else. We have to have energy within our own homes so that we can survive when we have blackouts or, or high waters or, or um, fire issues, anything like that. So the meaning of turtle back homes is just as a turtle has its home, it's big enough for him, keeps him safe from the elements, he can get up and it goes wherever he needs it to go. It's mold proof, waterproof, you know, so that's the idea. Not to mention we live on Turtle Island. I just thought it was a really good, cute concept to to put that in. So I believe living within our means. I would love to have a big house and everything extravagant, but, you know, sometimes it's just not feasible. And especially with the housing crisis, we have to be able to live within our means. And that means, can we afford hydro? Can we afford, you know, filling the home with all the, the uh, furniture and things? So we've just really gone down that minimalistic way, which I believe our ancestors lived that way. And I'm, you know, we, I've been in this home with my five children, 400 square feet for two years now. I believe that I need to live it before I sell it. So I'm not going to sell anything that I don't truly believe in and that I haven't first yet lived in myself. So that's beautiful. Yeah, when you were saying that, I was curious. I didn't know that you had, did you say four kids or five kids? Three kids. Yeah. Three kids. And your yeah. husband. 
and my yeah family of five. Wow, Inf I don't even know what four hundred square feet is. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's not very big. Yeah. <laughs> So. That's so that's so impressive. And it's so honorable, like all of the stuff that you're talking about. And you know how you said you built it to waterproof, uh, mold proof, mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Like it's so honorable that you are like, this is why I built this for families. So yeah. wow, good for you yeah. for being such a, a model of what you truly believe. That's incredible. Prior to this, I did build spec homes. So we built a nice, beautiful, big home. It had concrete floors, 40 windows, uh, floor to seal. Beautiful. And I lived in there. I was like, this is beautiful, but I don't belong here. I don't feel like I love it, but it's not me, right? There's a lot of maintenance. There's a lot of cleaning. There's a lot of taxes. There's a lot of things that wasn't fulfilling even though I had that so we had a discussion with the family and we just somebody actually came to my home because we built spec homes so it wasn't for sale we were living in there for a year and he knocked on the door and asked if he could buy the house what? <laughs> out of nowhere it wasn't even for sale and that so I was like talk okay. about like manifesting and the universe just being like here you go yeah, this is an opportunity. This is a sign. This is, you know, exactly what my heart was wanting. And I didn't, wow. you know, I didn't really know, right? And he gave us two weeks to move. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about downsizing. Okay, yeah. kids, you're downsizing. Yeah. So I talked to the family and, and we decided, yeah, we, we love dirt biking. We love the outdoors. We love space. And so we sought out land and we found some uh, bordering uh, Riding Mountain National Park. We purchased 80 acres. We lived in our camper for nine months. Wow. Yeah. Well, no, sorry, eight months. We were all the way into the middle of November yeah. in our camper. So wow. <laughs> we've, had a, we've had quite the journey. I really appreciate that my kids got to experience this level of living as well, because it kind of brings them back to how I grew up, right? The the walls are thin, the floor is cold, a lot of hauling in water, we went and used the outhouse, you know, we're in 2021 here, and we're living this way. So I see it as a blessing. I see it as a really rich time in our life. And we became very close. And I know that because I'm still married. And <laughs> yeah. my kids still call me mom. <laughs> Wow, that's fantastic. So Turtleback Homes on Instagram. And so on your Instagram page, I know you have a lot of photos and videos. Do you have like, is it video of the homes people can go and they can actually see? Yeah, so we have a website, turtlebackhomes.ca. We do custom builds. And yeah, amazing. I love that. Like, I think it's so beautiful how we have Indigenous professionals who are educating themselves in different industries and like killing it, like really killing it, making like not just moving the needle, but like really changing the future for First Nation people to own homes. Like I remember yeah. I worked at Hydro after I graduated high school. So I was like 19, 20 years old. And I remember one of the ladies that I was working with asked me if I would, if I was going to buy a house. And I was just like, buy a house. Like it was so foreign to me. It was, uh, no one had ever, I'd never had that conversation. I still don't own a home, but it's because of that 
you know, the existing legacy that we're all fighting against. So, you know, I, I really yeah. appreciate the work that you're doing and the education that you're bringing out to everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's who would think that in this day and age that we're still where we are. Right. It, it blows my mind that we haven't had opportunity or, or we've always done it this way. So we're always going to do it that way. I don't believe in that. I believe that we've evolved as first nations. We're constantly changing and growing as our generations do the, the world is as well, different industries. Why not housing? Why is housing still the same? Right. right? For our first nation people, it's got to stop. And so I really want to see that happen for our kids. You know, if they do so choose to have a home and build a family, then they have that option and they know that they can, it's doable. It's not out of their reach. Amazing. Okay. So you have Turtleback Homes. This is your business. Then like, where does Turtle Village come in? Okay. So another like out of the blue type of thing that, you know, I'm, I always believe in, I don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing, but I'm going to keep moving. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and it, when, seems like, it seems like that's a theme to women who are like, you're just, you you know, that you're here for a purpose and I'm just going to keep going. I don't know the answer, but I'm going to figure it out as I go. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, I have an idea in my head. Oh, I'm going to solve the housing crisis and everybody's going to come and purchase housing and we're going to make life and families like life beautiful. Well, again, just as back when I was 14, well, how are you going to do that? <laughs> Everything All right. out. <laughs> so then reality sticks in again and I'm like, okay, Ashley, we got to figure this out. There's a process. So I put out for grants and funding and things like that. What can help me pursue my vision um, and get us out there in the marketplace? And so I put one out to Travel Manitoba and um, they jumped on board very quickly. They were a huge supporter to what we what we put as an offer that we wanted to do off the grid accommodations, bring something new to the area, teach people to live, you know, with a solar panel and a battery bank back on the land with with zero impact to the land. And so we we got approved for a, for a grant and we started running with it. And uh, right now we have eight accommodations and um, it's just the beginning. We're, we've been open three weeks. This past weekend, we were booked right up, which I'm so thankful for that. Um, we've had a lot of good feedback. The difference with us is though, yes, we are an indigenous business. This has not been done in the Wasagamine campground. My great ancestor, John the Falcon Tanner, was known to build winter lodging in the park. And, you know, when I was researching that, it just like, whoa, like it just like, I don't know if you've ever felt a way where you're just like, I am where I need to be. Like, this is insane. This is insane. I feel like I found a huge part of my calling, right? Yeah, it was, it just blew me away because up until now, I'm like, oh, what am I doing? Oh, is it worth it? Look what I put my family through, right? Like all these things as a mother and, and a family, it was just like, yeah, you know, you never know if you're doing the right thing, but I sure as heck know what I don't want to do, right? And um, right. yeah. And you know what, like, I'm, I totally resonate with that statement that you just said of, look what I put my family through. And um, in my own experience, I raised three sons on my own. And I went from having a job, like jobs that I hated, 
hating myself and hating my life and hating the struggle. And then eventually, you know, finding a little bit of interest in my own talent in, you know, being a speaker and a trainer and that sort of thing. And for the longest time, I felt so selfish. Like, how could I, how could I do this? But I realized that the more that I fed my passion, the more whole I became. And then the better I was able to, you know, be a mom for that. <laughs> All I can do is hope that, you know, I, I <laughs> yeah. did. And, but, but I think at the end of the day, when we see other women who are doing that same thing, just just out in community or out in the world, like we know that you're making the world a better place. Like your kids are seeing you sacrifice the really big, beautiful house with the 40 windows and living for purpose and passion. And I think that's the only thing that I want for my sons is I just want you to find something that you love. That's good for you and for the world. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's all we can ask for, right? Yeah, it may be nothing comes easy, though. And our kids need to see that, you know, and from day one, I've always included them in the business. They're part of the core of what we do as a family operated business. So my, like I mentioned, my, my husband, he PMs for me, he's very good at organizing. And I'm so blessed to have him because I don't I just think of ideas. And I'm like, can you figure that out for me? (laughs) (laughs) A Great partnership. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That seems really I don't know, Ashley, I don't know how we're gonna build a house like this. I I know, but I just want it. I just I just want to do that. (laughs) That's that's what what was his name from Ford, Fred Ford or whatever the hell oh. he wanted the eight cylinder engine and yeah. people in the office were or the whatever the science room I don't know yeah like that we can't do that that's not possible and he's like don't come back to me until you figure it out right like everything yeah. is figure outable I really believe that like no matter what you're passionate about as long as you make the decision to go forward you can make it happen right? yes. And, and your, your yeah. like your your husband figuring out the project management end of it, he wouldn't have known where to start if he didn't have your vision, right? It's yes. your vision. That's true. Yes. And he is a great come along help. So we need people like that in our life. We can't do it alone. Um, yes. And oftentimes we think that, oh, I got this figured out. Like, no, no, you can't. You need to be able to delegate and, and work um, a really big thing that I worked on, as I know that I don't like working for people, I found that at a very young age that I am not employable. I just I am not that person. I don't know what's wrong with me. I just can't get into that. So I started, you know, doing all kinds of of entrepreneurial ventures. Like I, I did crocheting for a long time and sold my hats at the Mississippi Ski Hill. I did um, a lot of network marketing things like the oils. I did all kinds of things. And through that, I think we have to go down that journey of doing things we don't actually know we're going to end up doing, but we learn and gain skill sets doing that. And um I found it very important to have a mentor. I wanted to mention that, you know, for me, I didn't have anything in the area. I didn't know about anybody here in Manitoba. So I would go to the States six times a year. I would go see my mentor that would pour into me three three days every weekend. So it changed. Um, it wasn't even just business skills as in communication or, you know, 
finances or things like that. It was a lot to do with what am I dealing with that I need to release that will re- heal me from, you know, wounds or or um, thought or, you know, programming that I've held on to that isn't true of limiting belief in myself. You know, a big one for me was forgiving people. You know, if we don't forgive, we hold on to a lot of things that in our daily walk affect us from moving forward. So that's one really big thing that I make sure that throughout the year, there's many times throughout the year, well, I'll I'll just do a self audit, and I'll do a self reflection of where am I mentally? Where am I? You know, where is my heart? What is what's guiding my um, emotions and thoughts and how I treat people and my family, because I truly believe that our family and our loved ones or whoever is in your inner circle, they should be treated the best. And oftentimes we treat people outside our circle with more respect and with more of our good side than we treat ourselves. And so that was something that I really wanted to be like, okay, I need my number one team being treated and know how much I care about them. And my number one team is my family. And um, going back to that family business, like my son, he's 16. He helped build everything physically. Um, My daughter, she's my social media manager. Um, My oldest daughter, she does a great job. We're all self-taught. I've homeschooled them from the age, from kindergarten, like just because doing what we do and where we lived. And, you know, it wasn't, uh, it was just a good path that we chose. And my youngest one, she's, she's just um, in boss mode. So (laughs) I have to calm her down. I'm like, there's only room for one boss at a time here. (laughs) Wow, you're amazing. Oh, my goodness. You've done so many things. And I love that you've really like, and, and you, you don't hear this very often from people who come from small northern communities. Like you were seeking out a mentor. How did you find a mentor? Especially, oh, I just, right? I think it came through the network marketing, you know, side of things. You're always like, how do I do business? How do I this? And I was researching and I found a lady that I really resonated with. She's no longer doing it, but man, it changed my life. That mentorship, being in accountability with somebody. somebody, the mentorship wasn't, um, let's say, like, soft and (laughs) lovey. It was a harsh truth. And if if I wanted to change, I needed to know that I need somebody to tell me the truth. Because if you really care about me, it might not feel good. But I need to hear it from a different perspective. Oftentimes, my family, well, especially my husband, you're doing great. You're amazing. Like, he's very supportive. But that that's his role. I needed somebody to come alongside. This is where you're lacking. This is what I see. You know, all these things start doing this, reprogram yourself to believe, you know, that you are good enough, you can do these things, but you have to work on your communication, you have to understand people and their different um, personalities. That was a huge one. Oftentimes, we come into conflict with certain personalities. And it's not that we don't get along. It's just my mind doesn't work the way their mind works. And I got to have grace for them. And because they, I'm not easy to get along with either, I'm sure. Yeah, (laughs) right. So wow, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. And I I love that um, you also use the term 
self audit. And that was, I used to say that all the time also. And I actually haven't used those particular words in a long time, but I was the same way when I was a young mom, I remember stopping and having like these little internal conversations with myself about like doing a check-in. Am I happy? Do I like, am I doing what I want with my life? And recognizing that life is short and I want it to be good. So what are you going to do about it? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, we're responsible, I believe, like, as mothers, as as just women in general, we're responsible because we set the tone. We really do in the family. And, you know, if I'm always in stress mode, um, if I'm always like putting that pressure it's not, it's not good for everybody. And it's only self-serving. And I don't want to walk through life self-serving because at the end of my days, I'm going to look back and and regret. I don't want to live in regret. I want to live in now and constantly me and my husband, we have this thing. It's like, you're growing. No, we need to change. And I'm like, no, we don't need to change. We just need to grow. (laughs) So it's important of understanding those words as well, right? Like, I don't need to change as much as regret who I am, where I was like five years ago. That's who I was. But as long as I'm growing and evolving and developing into something better than what I was at my lowest, then that's amazing. Right. Right? And I also find it really interesting and fascinating. The last guest that I had on, her name was Angie, and she's also in a business partnership with her husband, and they've been doing it for 20 years as well. So it's interesting how like some people, men and women and other people will find a partner and it's just, it's your partner that you have for for business, for life, for everything. Like that's incredible. And then there's people like me who... Like I've been a single mom, I've, you know, haven't had the best luck in relationships, I guess. Um, And my business is solo. So that's really interesting, just how, uh, just sort of on the side. I think you're in a place where you need to be because it's hard to do what you do as, as a partnership, maybe in the sense that you're constantly working with partners, but they're changing. Right. Like your partnership, like right now, like we're partnering in this. And, and I think that your yours, you do partner with people, but it just looks a little different. It definitely was a tough road. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say, everybody work, go into business with your husband. Um, No, it's very, <laughs> very, very, very tough. Um, I believe in um, a structure of a home where, you know, there is the CEO, there is the, um, the manager. And then there's the, I know people might not like to hear it this way, but then there's the employees. If we run our home like a business, a well-oiled machine, because we all have roles, right? Um, My husband has a role as a head. He's not dealing with the day-to-day chaos of me managing the kids and the kids have their roles of putting your laundry away, doing your school, like that's what they need to do, right? And so it's very different now that, I'm the CEO and he's the manager. And so to change, not really change roles, but change positions throughout the day. And, you know, well, I need it done this way because that's what I need it to be done like, right? You know, so it's it's that level of respect. And again, back to the communication was was hard. I think it's amazing. And and you're right. Like I I don't look at any of my friends or you know anyone who is in relationships that long and and I would never say it's easy but I I respect and I appreciate 
the yeah. attention and care that goes into making those relationships work. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so last question that I'll ask you to share is if you could talk a little bit about someone who, you know, they have this dream and they want to do something and, you know, they just can't let it go. Maybe because often, and maybe you hear this from people that confide in you as well. It's, I really have this dream, but I'm so scared to move forward. And, and I believe as a coach that people are afraid to move forward because they, they need to know what it's going to look like. And it, you can't predict that, right? It's, it's impossible to predict. Even if you could, it's not going to turn out that way. So what would you say to someone who's like, I, I wish I could do what you do? Yeah. First of all, I would say if you did know, you wouldn't do it. <laughs> oh my God. hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> if you knew what it take and what it, what it required of you, you probably wouldn't do it. And that's the grace that we have that we don't know everything and we just have to walk in faith and we have to keep again, where am I? Is this what I want to do? We do things that we don't want to do. That's a big thing. Like, I don't want to always talk to people and be upfront. I want to be out, like creating things and doing things. And Jason, my husband used to be the the talker. And he's like, Ashley, no, we're switching roles. I don't want to do this. I don't like it. Right. And he's like, that's it's your vision. You have to talk about it. Well, you know, my vision, you can share it. No, I can't. So <laughs> it's it's doing things you don't want to do to get you where you're going to be and keep moving because you can't be used if you're just standing still and waiting for it to come to you. It's not going to just come to you. Life doesn't work that way, right? Life doesn't work like just because I have a vision to move into a house at 14 just because I want to. It's not the reality. There's steps and there's a process that we have to follow. Coming off, you know, the reserve living in in the way there was a lot of barriers that I faced, you know, with the banking system with, you know, all kinds of things. When you live on reserve, you you're not actually recognized to the world. So it took me a good 10 years to figure out the loopholes and and figure out what I have to do to actually be recognized as a real business, which is sad. And that's um, a next thing that I really want to focus on is helping grow up indigenous businesses into the marketplace at a mass scale, I think there's such a lacking. And it's always been the same, always generational businesses, you know, so I'm first generation business. It's not really going to be well, I, I hope it's rewarding in my generation. But oftentimes, it's the second or third, right? So if we do that now, what's it going to look like in 20 years from now? And so I would encourage them to keep pressing forward, Get good people around you that speak life into you because there's a lot of people that'll kill your dream and words are very, very powerful. And you can't be hearing that nonsense all the time because for me personally, I'm my worst critic. I say the meanest things to myself, right? I tear myself up and down and I rip myself apart. And it's it's something that I really had to work on to be kind to myself because if I can't speak life into me? How can I speak it into my family? And so that's something that I really doesn't come natural to me. I think it doesn't come natural to a lot of entrepreneurs, because we we're we're just a different breed in the sense, right? We just see things different. We have full belief, but yet we're we're want it perfect. And it's never going to be perfect. But it'll end up 
where it's supposed to be. If you walk in faith and you have good people around you and um, fill your spirit with good things. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to share today. It was really a pleasure hearing about your journey and your experience and honestly, so honorable the work that you're doing and how you're doing it. So thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here and listening to the podcast. Miigwech, Ecosse, merci. I want to take every opportunity that I can to tell you that you are worthy. And if something in this message resonated with you, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And send a link to your sister, your best friends, and your cousins, because if there was something in this message that resonated, then they might want to hear about it too. If maybe taking a screenshot is your thing, share it on your Instagram story. And don't forget to take me at jesskadumas.ca. Thank <laughs> you.